Chapter Twenty One of Grace Harlowe's Return to Overton Campus by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty One: The Puzzle Deepens. Grace experienced a pleasure in being at home for Easter so deep as to be akin to pain. When, as a student at Overton, she had travelled happily home for her Christmas and Easter vacations, there had been a difference. Then her classmates had much to do with making it easier to be away from her adored father and mother. But now that she had bravely launched her boat on the tempestuous sea of work, she found that home was a far, distant shore, for whose cheery light she often yearned. To be sure, Emma was a never-failing source of consolation, but there were more times than one when the clutching fingers of homesickness were at her throat. To Mr. and Mrs. Harlow, Emma Dean was an unfailing source of amusement and delight. In Hippy, too, she found a kindred spirit, and when Elfreda arrived, the funny trio was complete. It seemed to Grace that she had not laughed so much in years. Anne, Jessica and Reddy had not been able to join their friends for the Easter holidays and were loudly mourned and sorely missed. Tom Gray managed to come on for a two-days visit, and caused Grace the only unhappy moment she spent at home by again asking her to give up her beloved work to marry him. I'm so sorry for Tom, she confided to her mother on the night before leaving him to return to Overton. But I can't give up my work even for him. Really and truly, mother, I wish I did love Tom in the way he wants me to love him, but I don't. I feel toward him just as I felt when I first met him. He's a good comrade, nothing more. If you love Tom, your father and I would be glad to welcome him as our son, Grace, was her mother's quiet reply. He is a remarkably fine type of young man, but unless you reach the point where you are certain that he is, and always will be, the one man in the world for you, you would be doing not only yourself, but him too, the greatest possible injury if you promised to marry him. That's just it, exclaimed Grace. I told him so, but I know that didn't console him. Last June, when I came home from Overton, I thought perhaps I might say yes later on. But now I've been working for almost a year, I find I'd rather keep on working. It would be dreadful, of course, if some day I should suddenly discover that I did love him enough to marry him, and then he shouldn't ask me. That isn't likely to happen. I don't believe I could give up my work for any man. My whole heart is in it. In spite of her declaration of unswerving loyalty to her work, more than once Tom's fine, resolute face rose before Grace on the return journey to Overton. During the afternoon, Emma, usually loquacious, became absorbed in a book, so that Grace, who could not settle herself to read, had altogether too much opportunity for reflection. She was inwardly thankful when the lights of Overton twinkled into view. Emma was still deep in her book. We're almost there, Emma, she reminded. Emma glanced out of the window, then closed her book and began to gather up her belongings. I wonder how things are at Harlow House, mused Grace as they crossed the station platform. Come on, Emma, there's a taxicab just turning into the station driveway. Three minutes later they were speeding through the silent streets. It was after nine o'clock and there were few persons passing. No place like home caroled Emma as they let themselves into Harlow House. In the living room they found Louise Sampson and half a dozen girls. 
At sight of Grace and Emma, Louise came quickly forward. "'We thought you would come,' she exclaimed, "'so we decided to watch for you. "'We have hot chocolate and sandwiches. "'Do say you're hungry.' "'We're ravenous,' assured Emma, "'and as soon as we make a trip upstairs "'and dispossess ourselves of our goods and chattels, "'we'll come to the party. "'Everything has gone beautifully.' Louise confided to Grace, when later she dropped down on the window seat beside her, where the latter had established herself with a sandwich and a cup of chocolate. Only one thing bothered me, and that was the way Miss Reynolds moped. She and Miss Ward had a quarrel, and poor Miss Reynolds still goes about looking like a red-eyed little ghost. No one can find out her trouble, and no one seems to be able to comfort her. One day last week I almost thought I saw Miss Ward crying too, but I must have been mistaken. She's too proud to cry over anything. There are several letters for you, Miss Harlowe. I put them in the top drawer of your desk in the office. At the word letters, Grace had risen to her feet. You'll excuse me if I go for them at once, won't you? she asked. Of course, smiled Louise. A goodly pile of letters met her eyes as she opened the drawer. Grace ran through the envelopes with eager fingers. The square thin envelope with the foreign postmark meant a letter from Eleanor Savelli. There was one from Mabel Ashe and another from Mabel Allison, Arlene Thayer and Ruth Denton were also represented in the collection. And on the very bottom of the pile lay a square envelope addressed in Anne's neat hand. Grace pounced upon it joyfully and laying the others on the slide of her desk tore it open and became immediately absorbed in the closely written sheets. When she had finished reading the letter, she laid it down and picked it up again, turned to a paragraph on the last sheet. I promised to try to help Miss Ward, wrote Anne. Well, I've practically secured an engagement for her with Mr. Forrest. It is an ingenue part in the reckoning which is to run in New York City all summer at his theatre. If she can come to New York as soon as college closes, Mr. and Miss Southard wish her to stay at their home. We can soon tell whether she can play the part or not. If she can't, Mr. Southard will be able to give her bits in his company, but the other part is by far the best engagement, if she can make good in it. Both Mr. and Miss Southard say, however, that they must have a letter of consent from her sister before they will undertake launching her into the theatrical world. They'll write her if Miss Ward wishes them to do so. It is a really great opportunity for her. You know how easily and delightfully I earned my way through college. Let me know as soon as you can, Grace, and what she wishes to do. Grace read this paragraph half a dozen times. Her other letters lay unheeded before her. Finally she gathered them up, and with the open letter in her hand, went slowly upstairs. At Evelyn's door she paused and listened. She heard the sound of someone moving about within. Yes, Evelyn was still up. Grace rapped boldly on the door. A moment and it swung open. Evelyn stood staring blankly at Grace. She was wrapped in the folds of a pale blue silk kimono. Her hair hung in loose golden waves far below her waist and she reminded Grace of the beautiful Rapunzel of fairy tale fame who was shut up in a tower by a wicked witch and forced each night to let down her golden hair so that her dreadful jailer might climb up and into the tower window. "'Miss Ward,' began Grace, without giving Evelyn time to utter a word. 
I am sorry to disturb you so late in the evening, but I have very good news for you. Miss Pearson has all but secured an engagement for you in The Reckoning, a new play which is to run in New York City all summer. Read what she says. Grace handed the sheet of paper to Evelyn. The girl stretched forth her hand mechanically for it. She still regarded Grace dully. Then to Grace's utter amazement she burst into tears. I can't take the engagement, she sobbed. I'm not coming back to Overton next year. What can have happened to her? wondered Grace. Aloud, she said, Don't decide too hastily, Miss Ward. Take three or four days in which to think things over. I'll come in and see you tomorrow. Evelyn made some incoherent response, unintelligible to Grace. The latter realised that in her present state Evelyn could not be comforted. It was best to leave her entirely alone until she had had her cry out. Tomorrow would be time enough to try again to try to discover what had happened. End of chapter 21